0: Well, please, I invite you to turn within your Bibles this morning again to 1 Kings chapter 1. I'm going to pick up where we left off last time again at verse 28 and reading on to the end of the chapter. I trust you'll recall what's going on. King David is old and cold and about to die. And so seizing on David's weakness and frailty, Adonijah has exalted himself. He said, I will be king. And the rogue force of Israel have followed him down to Enrogel, affirming that claim. They are eating and feasting with him, and they're crying out, Long live King Adonijah. And while David has lost touch with the goings-on in the kingdom, God has not lost touch. He's begun to work through his faithful kingdom subjects, Nathan and Bathsheba, to rescue the seed of the woman from the seed of the serpent. Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba just roused King David to action, reminding him that all the eyes of Israel are fixed on David to to discover who will sit on the throne after him. We pick up the story again at verse 28. This is God's holy word. Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. In my place, even so will I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed their her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my lord, King David, live forever. King David then said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. And the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king, amen. May the Lord, the God of my lord, the king, say so. As the Lord has been been with my Lord the King, even so may he be with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benai the son of Jehoiada, and the Carathites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes, and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished feasting. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest, came. And Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a worthy man, and bring good news. But Jonathan answered Adonijah, no, for our Lord King David has made Solomon king and the king has sent him with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and the Carithites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, have anointed him king at Gihon and they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants came to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, May your Lord make the name of Solomon more famous than yours, and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king himself bowed on his bed, and the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on the throne, this day my own eyes seeing it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each went his own way. And Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put a servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hair shall fall from to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and paid homage to King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. There ends the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it to us as we meditate upon it this morning. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when the apostle John was on the island of Patmos and in the spirit of God in the Lord's day, he heard behind him a loud voice like that of a trumpet. And as he turned toward the sound of that voice, he saw the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, in all his transcendent glory. And when he saw him, the apostle fell at his feet as though dead. But as you know, the king laid his hands on him and he said, fear not, for I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I myself have the keys of death and Hades. Shortly thereafter, John looked up and he saw an, an opening in heaven. And, and he heard the voice of the king say, come up here and, and see what must soon take place. Immediately, John saw the throne in heaven and he saw Christ seat on that throne. Around his throne, as we heard in the call to worship, there was a great multitude that no one could number, crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There, John says, King Jesus sits on the throne and he shelters his servants with his presence. He is their shepherd, says John. He wipes away every tear from their eyes. All these things the Apostle John records for us in order that we might be comforted as we suffer the trials and tribulations of life in this world. So that when the kingdom of God seems to be so weak and so frail as it did in the days of King David, we can be sure that God's king has taken the throne. We can rejoice and take comfort in that knowledge that God's king is on the throne. The Lord Jesus Christ, the man after God's own heart, the man of God's choosing, sits on the throne, and from that throne, he sovereignly rules over every human affair. And for this reason, the saints in heaven already now sing the song, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and give him glory. And these, of course, are words that we can sing as well. These are words that the people of Israel also could have sang as well, as It happened so many years ago when King Solomon was anointed as king over Israel. King Solomon, the king of God's own choosing, as he ascended to the throne to reign over Israel and Judah. As we're going to see in the next few coming Lord's days, in the reign of King Solomon, we get a a glimpse into the glorious reign of King Jesus. And it all begins here in 1 Kings chapter 1 with the day of his coronation. We discover here in our past this morning what what happens when God's king takes the throne. And we do so noticing two things this morning. First of all, the, the joy that coronation day brings. And then second of all, the judgment that coronation day brings. Joy for the king's faithful subjects, but judgment for his enemies. As you recall from last week, the coronation of Solomon comes to us in the context of the conspiracy of Adonijah, who has exalted himself as king. And the defectors of King David, Joab, the commander of the army, and Abiathar, the priest, all the the king's sons, minus Solomon, all the royal officials of Judah, they are all with Adonijah. They are outside the city of David. They are rejoicing and feasting. They are saying, long live King Adonijah. As we heard last time, although Adonijah knew it was the Lord's will that Solomon should be king over Israel, Adonijah would not submit to the Lord's decree in his heart. And so in the way of the Antichrist, Adonijah has exalted himself, he has put himself for it, he has plotted against King David, he is feasting near the serpent stone. But as we also learned last week from Nathan and Bathsheba's plea for king, plea to King David, if Adonijah proves to, to be successful, then the life of Solomon is in great danger. For since Solomon had not been invited to the party, it's very likely Adonijah's next move would have been to eliminate all the competition. And so we see that Satan has been at it again. He has taken hold of Adonijah's heart. And through Adonijah, he intends not only to kill Solomon, but also to kill the the line of promise through Solomon. Adonijah is bent on undermining the promises of God that through Solomon, God would establish the throne of David as an everlasting kingdom. Can you imagine, boys and girls, a man like Adonijah taking the throne of Israel, a man who cares only for himself and nobody else? A man who cares only for making his own name great rather than making God's name great. Can you imagine what it'd be like if this was what our king was like? Can you imagine what it'd be like if rather than submitting to God's will, King Jesus turned his back on God's, God's will? What would it be like for us if, if King Jesus, rather than humbling himself, exalted himself and, and forgot the will of the Lord? It wouldn't be a kingdom any of us would much want to be a part of, would it? And so, boys and girls, we give God thanks this morning that God, being good and gracious in the Lord Jesus Christ, sent Nathan and Bathsheba to King David, that he granted them the faith to to stand firmly on the promises of God, to to stir King David again to the occasion of righteousness, to appoint and anoint Solomon, God's chosen one, as king over Israel. And so, in verses 20 and following, Adonijah's quest for power, his quest for the throne is countered by the orders of a resurrected King David. King David has sworn an oath before Bathsheba, saying, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul of every adversity, so surely will I make Solomon king this very day. Commenting on this passage, Dale Ralph Davis highlights how David's heart, soul, mind, and strength are are stirred by the status of the kingdom. His heart is, is stirred by the fate of the kingdom. And that, of course, begs the question of us, can we say the same about ourselves this morning? Our own hearts and minds gripped by the matters pertaining to the kingdom of God. King Jesus asked the question of us this morning, are you seeking first and foremost the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or have you become distracted and enamored with the things of the world? And so Daryl Davis makes a challenging observation that what stirs us is what reveals us. Which is to say what stirs our hearts and minds illustrates what what we value more than anything else. What's most important to us in this life? What stirs you this morning? Do your thoughts and your words and your actions testify that, that your hearts are stirred to action by your love for the kingdom of God? And your love for King Jesus. Even as King Jesus throughout the entirety of his life was stirred by his love for the kingdom, so also King David is is stirred to action by his love for the kingdom. King David himself, you see, is a joyful servant of King Jesus. King David himself, the man after God's own heart, is is stirred to righteous action. Therefore, King David calls for Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benai the son of Jehoiada, and he commands them to, to place Solomon on his own mule and to take him down to Gihon, to, to anoint him king over Israel and Judah. He commands them then to take them up from there to rejoice, to have the people shout, long live King Solomon, to sit Solomon on his own throne that he might rule in David's place. Each of these elements of coronation, riding on the king's mule, descending down to Gihon before ascending up to the throne, in the subsequent rejoicing, each of these elements of Solomon's coronation help us understand the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ, his anointing, his enthronement, his everlasting dominion. And now that King David has given the orders, rights one past the people then have to make a choice. It's the same choice we all face every day, he says. Will we accept the king that God has anointed? Submitting ourselves to his rule over our lives? Or we put ourselves in the throne, living by the rules of the kingdom of this world. May God grant us the grace, respond like Benaniah, like Beniah, who in response to the king's command answers, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord the King, say so. With a heart of joy and excitement, Beniah sides with the kingdom of Christ. He honors King David by agreeing to keep all his instructions. He he honors soon-to-be King Solomon by affirming his kingship. And he honors the king of heaven, recognizing that all this is the will of the Lord. And so he prays in verse 37, as the Lord has been with my lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon. Even so may he make his throne greater than the throne of my lord King David. Righteous Beniah longs to see the plans of King David come to full fruition. And so we asked the Lord to be with Solomon as he had been with King David to, to see to it the kingdom of God might be blessed beyond all measure. Following suit, the righteous kingdom servants do likewise. They follow David's decree, verses 38 and following. Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Carathites and the Pelathites, went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. And there's that, the priest took the horn from the oil and of the, from the tent and anointed Solomon. And here too, we see the joyful service of the king's subjects. How without hesitation, they devote themselves to the word of the king. God has written that prayer of the kingdom on their hearts, hasn't he? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so that their greatest joy is to devote themselves to the service of God's appointed king. There's certainly a lesson for us in all this, isn't there? Abraham Kuyper writes in his Pro Reggae for the king that when we speak of Jesus' kingship, we must think also immediately of ourselves as his subjects and what is demanded of us as his subjects. Kuyper goes on to summarize the king's demands by saying the subjects of King Jesus must first Confess him before the world. They must witness to him as, so as to expand his kingdom. In the second place, they must be ready to take up their cross for the cause of Christ and for his sake. And finally, they must also fight as soldiers for Jesus, their king. For the service that we owe our king always is and remains a matter of the loyalty that we owe him in order to advance his cause, to foil all resistance against it. And to stand unmoved for his honor and the power that we've been given. And we see all these things exemplified before us in the passage this morning. These these servants are stirred to action by their love for the kingdom of God. And we should be as well. Because when God's king ascends to the throne, we have every reason to serve and to celebrate with great joy. And so we read in verse 39, and they blew the trumpet, and all the people shouted, long live King Solomon. And that's when the real party begins, right? When a man of God's own choosing is anointed king and seated on the throne. Then comes the real celebration. Then comes the pipes and, and the people shouting with such joy that, that the earth begins to split beneath them, as it were. Only when God's king takes the throne can there be rejoicing like that. And so the repetition of the royal refrain, Long live King Solomon, functions as as the climax of this opening chapter. What joy it was to see King Solomon take his throne this happy day. The the news of his coronation begins to, to spread through the city like wildfire. And soon everyone is following in his parade. Even King David, we find, is is rejoicing in his bedchambers, praising God and saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted the king to sit in my place, my own eyes seeing it. This is what happens when God's king takes the throne. This is the joy that coronation day brings. Boys and girls, when you get home, you might ask mom and dad to go on YouTube and to show you the the coronation of Queen Elizabeth a number of years ago. After she's anointed with the oil, she is given the the sword of the state and the scepters of the kingdom. And then everyone cries out, long live the queen. And then the trumpets sound. And having promised her allegiance to the country, they too promise their allegiance to her. The crowd breaks out into song and she rides through the city. The peoples cheer with great joy. And all this leads the news reporter to say, And so this day of days most memorable comes to an end. And with it begins a new era, the new Elizabethan age, an age in which the love, the faith, and hope of the commonwealth rests on the shoulders of this queen. Long may she reign. And we see something similar here in 1 Kings chapter 1. And this is the joy that we have fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ to who also has been crowned king, king of kings and lord of lords. All this is foreshadowed for us here. A new era has begun, the era of King Solomon, an era in which wisdom is going to reign supreme, an era in which kings and queens will, will travel from afar to, to see this place where, where God's king is on the throne. And so all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy that the earth was split by their noise. But as is always the case, the jubilant rejoicing of the righteous only proves to haunt those who would exalt themselves. And so we see in the second place this morning also the the judgment that coronation day brings. In verse 41, Adonijah's party is interrupted. What's what's the meaning of all the noise in the city? Why, Why is the city such a noisy uproar, Joab asks. Here we see that when God's king takes the throne, his enemies are confounded. You see Adonijah, this pretender king, along with all his, his rogue followers as they celebrate near the serpent stone, and Rogel. They aren't in on the real party. No, they're, they're outside the city of God, both physically and spiritually. They don't have a clue what's going on. But Adonijah, Joab, and Abiathar and all their followers are soon to discover what's happened. Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, proves to be a herald of terror to those who have exalted themselves. Hoping that he's come with good news, Adonijah welcomes him into their presence saying, here's a good man, he brings good news. But then what does Jonathan say? He says, no. For our Lord, King David, has made Solomon king. And, and the king has sent him with Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benai the son of Jehoiada. The Carathites and the Pelothites, they have made him ride on the king's mule. Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from their rejoicing and the city is in a noisy uproar. This is the noise that you've heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. The royal officials are congratulating King David. They're saying, may the Lord make Solomon's throne even greater than your throne. King David also has bowed down in his bedroom, rejoicing God. The party is over for Adonijah. This new kingdom announcement effectively brings Adonijah's plot and party to a screeching halt. Verse 49, then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each one went his own way. And so suddenly Adonijah is like the teenager who hosted the party, but the police have come. and So everyone is scattered, and now Adonijah alone is left to to face the music. So we have a picture of the last day when when the books shall be opened, when the secrets and hypocrisies of men will be publicly uncovered in the sight of all as we confess in Article 36 of the Confession of Faith. all the followers of the pretender king slink off to their homes and are going to appear as as ideal citizens in this new kingdom of King Solomon. And so they go from being confounded to being conquered. Their rebellion has been brought to nothing. And of course, while King Solomon will never know for sure who is truly loyal to him head for head, The Lord will know. Even as he knows where our allegiances lie this morning, whether to King Jesus or to King self, God will know. At the end of the day, you see, all of the king's enemies are going to be conquered. And that includes you and me. All of us, of course, by nature, are enemies of the king, children of wrath. And so the question that the gospel confronts us with this morning is is not whether or not you'll be conquered, but how you'll be conquered. Will you be conquered by God's just judgment on the last day, or will you be conquered by God's grace on this day? The apostle tells us that God has highly exalted King Jesus, that He has bestowed on him the name of every other name that every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow and confess Christ as Lord. And in his grace, God invites us to do these things willingly today rather than by coercion on the last day. To say here and now, to to confess to God that that our tendency has been to, to say, my will be done. Our tendency has been to exalt ourselves. but to pray that from here on out our prayer is thy will be done, that we will exalt Christ as king. There is indeed mercy for the repentant we see, even for Adonijah, as we see in the last three verses of our passage. While his party of followers dispersed, Adonijah knows that, that as the face of the party, he has no leg to stand on. And so his only recourse is to flee to the horns of the altar, to, to plead for mercy. And so he delivers himself over to the mercy of King Solomon. In return, Solomon promises Adonijah that if he proves to be a worthy man, then he'll be saved, that he will protect him. The sword will not fall upon him. And he sends him back to his house. Sadly, if you read ahead in the next chapter, you'll discover that Adonijah's plea for mercy was not a genuine plea for mercy. It was one of outward appearance only. God not convicting him fully of his sin. He's not genuinely sorry for his sin. And of course, that will be most unforgivable in the end. And so perhaps this is a wake-up call for some of us this morning that if any of us are here this morning just making an appearance because it's the Lord's Day, but we're parting like Adonijah Monday through Saturday to hear this morning that today is the day of salvation. That if you too, as it were, will, will grab onto the horns of that greater altar, the cross of Christ, as Adonijah once did, then he shall hear that plea for mercy and set you free from all the consequences otherwise deserved. Because, of course, the mercy that King Jesus offers to repentant sinners is far greater than the leniency that Solomon shows to Adonijah. Because Jesus is a good and gracious king. Here in the first chapter of First Kings, the author would press upon our hearts the, the kind of king that we need. Nor that we would never take for granted the king that we've been given. Here in 1 Kings chapter 1, we see God's great love on display. The Lord secured King Solomon, and in so doing, he secured the promise, the seed of the woman from being destroyed. He did this because God loved Israel, because God loved you and me far too much to, to let that happen, to let Solomon be killed and with him the promise. And so this morning, we can echo the words of King David. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on the throne. We can sing of this king with exceedingly great joy. Rejoice, the Lord is king. Your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. For King Jesus, the Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. He has purged us of all our stains and has taken his seat above. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning humbled again by the message of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks that you've revealed to us the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ already here in the reign of King Solomon. And we thank you that you've given us a king that conquers all his enemies. We thank you that you've conquered us by grace. That having been conquered by grace, we see the ugliness of our former life and your enemies of the cross of Christ. And we lived only for ourselves. Father, we pray that you would forgive us again for all the times that we forget your grace, that we've fallen away way of Adonijah. But we thank you for the spirit of the king who cause us to have great joy, to devote ourselves to his service, to celebrate Lord's Day after Lord's Day, the glories that have come when Christ took the throne. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.